What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spirit and Steinberg Podcast. Right here with Spirit. How y'all feel out there? Red Butler here. Good evening. Bartholomew Carrington the third. $10 a lot of money. Yeah. What time is it? Game time. Jimbug Space. Red Foot's the liquid slave name. Cause Kai. Here we go again. Cause Kai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That nigga raped me. Can you feel it, baby? And that's how I get Mookie, can you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> Dude, that's the worst rock impression. I wasn't even trying to do one. I know, but I wasn't even trying to do one. I wasn't even an attempt. That <laughs> wasn't even an attempt. Well, that's good to know that, though. Yes, no, that wasn't even an attempt. Um, I just more or less did it because... We got some things brewing in the gumbo today. There are more than one ingredients that make up this gumbo. You got your aduil, aduil sausage, aduil. How you say that shit? Aduil. Aduil. Is it aduil? Aduil sausage. I thought it was a duel. No. You got your aduil sausage. You got your fucking, what else goes in gumbo? Uh, rice. You got your rice. You got your sh- sh- shrimp going yeah, gumbo. Yeah, there's the shrimp. It can be rock shrimp, crab, whatever the fuck the ingredients are to a good gumbo. This is racial stew. You got racial stew? Yeah. That's what you should probably call this one. Racial, racial stew. stew. All right. I'll write that down so I don't forget. Yes. Um, before we get into the the crux of what we're gonna talk about, um, Let's do some catching up, because as you last heard, uh, oh God, I remember, I, don't, I think it was Casey Kasem when he used to do the cartoons last week on the whatever. Um, I, don't mean, uh, uh, I forgot the name of it now, too. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I interrupted you for no good reason. Andy was in, where were you last week? St. Louis. Oh, yeah. I was in St. Louis. And I was in Denver, uh, and we were solo. And I asked Andy. Uh, how did it go? He asked me, how did it go? I said, I want to tell you, but I'm going to save it till we get together. Um, you know, Denver is not one of my most successful spots in terms of audience attendance, money made. Uh, it's just not. Um, and I was a little worried at first because when I got there, I asked how the numbers were. And both shows Friday, only did four shows, two Friday, two Saturday. Both shows Friday, on paper, when I first asked the manager, he said about 
I think he said about 80, 80 people per show. And I would probably be the lowest number I've ever done because like, I always at least do 100 or more. But by the time showtime came, it ended up being about maybe 150. Um, and then I was like, damn, I, al- I already struggle at this club. So if I'm only here, not even doing Thursday through Sunday, four shows. So two more Saturday, and then I'm out. Turns out Saturday, both shows were basically sold out. The first show was definitely sold out. Second show, I think, was about 90% there. So that was the good news. The bad news was <clears throat> on Friday night, major microphone issues. I mean, feedback to the point where your eardrums bled. But more worse than that, crackling. There was a short in the wire. Yeah. So you'd be talking and while you're talking. So, and then it, it was so that the floor panel on the stage is where the mic cords got into. So depending on where you stepped on the stage, the mic would crackle. Depending on how you held the mic with the wire, it would crackle. It was horrendous. So much so that at one point I said, this is the raggediest shit I've ever done. And the first show, it was kind of tolerable. The second show, it was insane. And the second show, and, and this is why I said to you, kitties, boys and girls, when we were talking about comedy class, you can't teach this moment in a comedy class. The manager or the club owner doesn't know this moment. Because in this moment, here's what you're dealing with. <laughs> then you got a couple of loud, drunk motherfuckers, too. So between the distraction of, <laughs> which throws off your timing, which can fuck up a joke, you have to worry about keeping your concentration, keeping your cool, dealing with drunk motherfuckers, and you have to, you have to be able to deal with all of that Right in the moment. No class will ever teach you that. And the easiest thing to do is to lose your composure, get frustrated, and have that moment fuck you up. Even though you know there's nothing you can do about it. And you have to fight your way through that. If you are not a seasoned vet, and even as a seasoned vet, I was so frustrated to the point where I I wanted to say at one point, And I contemplated saying at one point, hey, man, until y'all get this fixed, I'm out. And I wanted to get off stage. That's how bad it was. And I would have been able, I wasn't going to get off stage. And I just knew I wasn't going to do that. One, it's bad for business. And two, uh, what does that say about me? So I, I knew I had to muscle my way through it. But between, if it was just that, that would have been one thing. But like I said, having to maintain my concentration having to try to finish jokes where I knew they would fall flat because the destroyed the setup, which destroys the punchline, and then having to deal with drunk motherfuckers too. It was like I was being fucked with the worst migraine and on my period, niggas. It just wasn't pleasant. And I, and I said out loud, whether the manager heard me or not, hey, man, if y'all don't get this fixed, I am not performing tomorrow. This is unacceptable. I even had that conversation with the manager uh, after the show. Cut to the next day. And I, you know how you get a vibe from someone that you, you don't know, 
but your spider sense is tingling. This dude didn't touch me right. He just didn't touch from me right. From, from, the, okay. from the beginning or from that moment? From the beginning. From the beginning. And some dude texted me, said, hey, Aries, I work at the club. Yo, the manager is talking shit about you. You're saying all kind of racial shit. You're an asshole. You're this, you're that. And I called my agent. My agent's like, Aries, you know, you got to let me be the bad guy. No matter how much this bothers you, let me be the bad guy. Because the guy that actually runs that club is in charge of 14 improvs and funny bones. <clears throat> and the guy is already scared to death of you. He thinks you're a bully. And my agent then goes, and sometimes you are. But he thinks you're a bully and he's scared to death of you. And we don't want you to position yourself out of the business. And this is the part that angers me. I'm a bully because I want the sound system to work right. I'm a bully because I want professionalism. So before you jump in, Andy, I'll say this last thing. You know, it took everything in my power not to confront that motherfucker. I wanted to so bad it made my dick itch. And here's I worked it out in my head. When he comes to pick me up for the shows on Saturday, I'm going to just go, hey, man, read this. And let him read what the person texts me. Just to put him in that deer in headlights and go, word? Like, so, so you think it's good business to talk shit about your headliner? But I knew that if I did that, that's the wrong move. It's bad for business. Now he's got a reason to go tell the guy who, who thinks I'm a bully, look what Aries did. He cornered me and made me fess up. So I bit my tongue, despite the blood, and I took it. I didn't say nothing. And then when the show was over and he paid me, he's sitting there trying to, you know, make chummy, chummy, fun conversation with me. But I'm just playing it short. Yep. Nope. All right. Take care. It killed me, Andy. There's so much here on this because, again, like you said, if you're not on the road, if you don't do these things, you don't, you don't see it for the way it is. But here's here's the other parts that are around this. One, the bully part. You know, someone could say when you said if it's not fixed, I'm not doing the shows tomorrow. That that's threatening, bullyish. Could be, it could be misinterpreted. It could be interpreted that way. But here's here's the real here's the truth about it. It's unprofessional. This is your show. It is uh, the improv, but your name is the is the headliner. And if it's okay for you to let the club get away with that, that means because the people in the audience don't give a fuck. Uh, if it's your fault, the club's fault, anyone, they know they paid for the ticket and they're not enjoying themselves because they can't hear the jokes. Right. Right. So you're defending your brand. You know, if this ain't fixed, I'm not doing this. Because and I agree with what you just said. I don't know that I still like the word bully, but if I say what you said, I said, or if I say that, Yes. It can be threatening. I don't know. Bully is the right word, but it can be threatening. So you take that as a threat. You take that as personal. And just to add one piece of context, that's important. The reason why I said the thing about if you don't fix it, I'm not doing it is because when it was happening, the guy gives me a cordless mic. And, you know, I don't like cordless yeah. mics. To me, I'm old school. I like the old. I like the cord. But then that started doing it, too. So it didn't matter. So then they told me after the show. Yeah, we're going to have our guy, the sound guy, open up the panel on the floor and he'll fix it, even though he's claimed to have done that a hundred times. So my point then was, fuck your sound guy. Call a professional company that deals with that. Have them come over during the day. I don't give a fuck if it takes all day. 
fix it. Yeah. It's unacceptable. And then that's when I said, if it's not fixed properly, I'm not performing. Don't give me your sound guy doing what he's done 50 times already. And then here's the other part of this where like where they said bully or threat. And I said threatening. This is the part where it fucks you. And people don't even realize this because here's what's going to happen. And this is definitely going to happen. So you put him in a position where he had to call someone in to fix it professionally, which needs to be done because obviously there's old parts that are wearing out in there. They're, they're rubbing the wrong way. They're, they're um, the frequent that the wires are crossing that's making the pop sound. Uh, all that needs to be replaced. Sometimes it's as simple as the cord. And I'm just saying this and I'm saying, I'm not going to talk bad about anybody's club because everybody has their own issues, but they don't take care of some of the equipment properly. I've seen it many times at the clubs. They don't understand that they need to take care of the equipment, the cords, all that stuff needs to be handled at the end of every, at the end of every show, but especially at the end of every night it needs to be wrapped up and put uh, and put together the right way. But all that, that's more information than everybody's going to need. But they should have one of these cords just just to replace, just to the, the, it, because sometimes it's just in this cord and it's just in the connection of the microphone. How many times have we been someone that doesn't have the extra extra cord or the mic goes bad? They don't have the extra microphone. These are professional right. places are charged and they should have some backup equipment. But that's besides the point. Here's the part that I'm trying to get to. You put them in a position where they had to bring someone out to fix it right. He said we've fixed it fifty times. Well, no, you you haven't fixed it one time. If you have, to, if you're on fix forty nine. You haven't fixed, fixed it, it right. Yeah. So you're going to have them call out a professional. The professional is going to come out and fix it. You are an asshole because of the way that this went down. All the comics that come after you are going to hear this story. And then the manager or whoever is going to say, uh, it, it's fixed now, right? So they don't have any problems. Yeah, Aries is mad. We had this. And they're going to go, yeah, well, you know, they're not going to say, well, you know, we need this fix. They're going to go, well, Aries. They're just going to go along with the old stories of Aries. Right, right. But Aries got it fixed. So that the next person doesn't deal with the same shit and they don't even understand that. And they're not going to, they're not going to, uh, most of the comics that are going to come after you aren't going to uplift you and said, well, thank God he got it fixed. I'd be pissed off too. Right. They're going to go, well, Aries is a bully. Going back to the very, bringing it back around to what was said. That's the problem in this business too. That's another problem in this business. Right. You took care of something for everyone else that comes after you. And instead of getting like, well, thank God Aries took care of that, I'd be pissed too. Right. How many people you think are going to say it that way? Okay. That's that that's this business. Yes. I'm not disagreeing with what you did. Right. I'm just saying I know how these people are. I know how everybody is. Yeah. And, and you know, attitude, anger aside, fuck that. At some point you grow up, you mature. And you do it right for the shake of the basis. That being said, it pained me to know this dude was talking shit about me and to not confront him. But again, I went, for the sake of the business, what do you gain out of doing that? You confront him. You, you make him feel uncomfortable. You make him a deer in headlights. The satisfaction of me personally internally going, I got you, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. That feels good, Yes. But now there's 14 clubs you can't do. Right. Well, this it, it, is just a, it's such a cat, it, a dog chasing his tail in this because, two, the people that came to your show, when they leave that night, like I said, they didn't care about the sound. They didn't care about anything. It's measured whether you were funny or not. Did they laugh? Did they get the value for what they paid for? If they didn't laugh because the sound wasn't right, they don't leave the next day going, hey, man, Aries was probably funny. The sound just wasn't good. And I couldn't hear him. No, they said, now nah, the show wasn't funny. 
You have to protect your brand. You owe it to your brand. You built this brand up over 30, over 30 years of doing comedy. You know, you, you, that's the, the only thing the club has to do. The only thing the club has to do is provide uh, a safe seating for the, for the people to come in and see the show mm -hmm. and a way and a place for you to do the show and make sure that the people can hear you. That's all really the club has to do. Everything else the club does is to make money for themselves, the drinks, the food, uh, and then also to protect your brand, you go to a place that if they are selling drinks, the drinks aren't watered down or shitty drinks. You, you mean all that is part of your brand, but essentially the basic providing the venue, making sure that the sound is okay. That's as basic as it gets, making sure the seats are seated so people can see the show. You know, that that's it. And, and if they're not holding up their, their end of the bargain, you have to call it out. But damn, dude, you, you know, you, we know how this business though runs though too. All right, let me put the mic down so I can rub my hands together. Gumbo time. We just served you the cornbread sweet potato appetizer. Like, that's a thing. I don't know if it's a real thing, but that's our thing in this motherfucking uh, establishment, this restaurant. We served you, that was appetizer of cornbread sweet baked, was baked, baked, what was it, sweet cornbread and sweet, sweet potatoes sweet potato cornbread and sweet potato cake that's what we just gave you okay and some sugary iced tea now it's time for the gumbo as a matter of fact excuse me we walked into africa dude <laughs> we, we we walked on app and it says okay take me to this one and the guy goes, okay. I goes, is that in a good neighborhood? He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Guy barely speaks English. He takes us there. We get out and we're giggling. Oh, we're going to see Planet of the Apes. We walk into Planet of the Apes. <laughs> we walked into Africa, dude. What are you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, dad's black, mom's white. Standard issue, pretty much. Powerful, powerful combination genetic-wise, right? You get the body of the black man and then you get the mind of the white man all right. together. It's yeah. a strange combination. That doesn't, by the way. Joe Rogan. And then, of course, he issued the apology uh, where he says that in no context whatsoever is it okay for a white person to say the N-word. Uh, but, but just so that anybody who might not have heard it, there's also a video that someone made of 20 different times Joe Rogan has said the N-word. So this is, this is not the first? Well... That was his reg. That was just part of the conversation. But there's right. there's a there's a compilation. There's more receipts. Yes, of, of twenty times that he as D.L. Hewley would say over the what does he say twelve years that he's been doing the podcast right. that he's used the N word on the podcast. Right. So just just so that the context is there. Right. Um. And I sent out a post where I said simply, listen, there are going to be black people. I think more white people, but certainly black people and black people that are fans of Rogan and the podcast who will defend him. Uh, and then there will be black people who will say, yes, absolutely. In no context ever should a white person be allowed to say the N word. And my thing, my question was, and I said, don't kill the messenger. I'm just trying to ask a question. 
So when you say that, and two key words here, context and subjective. When you say that contextually, if that is true, then does the movie Django ever get made? And does that make Leonardo DiCaprio a racist? One of the greatest comedies of all time, Blazing Saddles. Does that get made? And does that make the actors who said the N-word uh, racist? Do any of the movies that deal with historical uh, black uh, you know, trials and tribulations and strife, the Selmas and the Butlers and the 12 Years a Slave and Roots, does any of that get made? And all the white actors in those movies that said the N-word, are they racist? So in terms of context, theatrically, does that make it okay? Entertainment-wise, does that make it okay? Because if we're simply saying that in no context whatsoever, and as Joe put it, should a white person say that, then that takes all of that away. Now, here's where sub subjective comes into play. Joe's defenders will say, hey, I listened to the podcast. You know how many black people he's had on? Joe can't be racist. He's not a racist. He was being funny. And this is what makes this such a minefield to walk through because technically you could say that. I didn't think it was funny. I personally didn't feel it was funny. He was even trying to be funny. If he was trying to be funny and it was a failed attempt, well, then it's a failed attempt. That didn't even come off to me like it was an attempt at being funny. But this is, again, where some will argue, hey, man, he was trying to be funny. Subjective. And if I didn't find it funny, or if any black person didn't find it funny, then that's not funny to us. That's not funny to you. But somebody laughed. I just didn't get the sense that he was trying to be funny. It didn't come off like, it didn't even look like, it. that felt sincere. Which part? There was two, there was two different Both. separate areas. Both. Neither one of them felt like I'm trying to be funny. I, I felt like it was. I, did you you listen to the whole apology, though, too? Yes. OK. Did you listen to him? Uh, yeah. And, and what I'm where I will give Joe some credit is I didn't hear him defend any of the things that he said. He explained he it. He denounced it. He denounced it. He didn't defend it. He, he explained it. And, and I, I said when I heard that and we had this conversation yesterday before I even heard the apology. Um, and And. I said, was he trying uh, the way that he said that, especially the the going to see uh, Planet of the Apes? Was he was he attempting to uh, be funny? Was he attempting to tell a story and add some, you know, just to make it a little more interesting? And when he and when he says it, it sounded I didn't like how it sounded. And he said he didn't like how it sounded either. And it's actually an episode that he he erased. But when you, uh, but once it's out there, it's out there. But when you said when he said that, and again, this is it's context, it's subjective. It's like you said, if he's telling a story about being in Philadelphia, ending up in a neighborhood that he wasn't he wasn't sure of, he didn't even know of, and you say, <clears throat> and you're going to see Planet of the Apes, that's the movie they're going to go see, and he says. Uh, we walked in and we were in Planet of the Apes, like a different world. Is is that what he meant? 
a different world. Like I went, I was in my regular world. I landed on this planet and it's a different world. But there, but there's consequences for that because we know how that could be interpreted. I'm not saying he did or didn't. Was that the interpretation? Now I'm in another world. We landed in planet race. Now I'm in Africa, a different place. But now that contextually, con- contextually, that makes it worse to me because now you said black and apes, and now you're just calling it all apes. C- couple things real quick. One, it felt like to me that was a conversation that he was having with his boys, peers, friend, whatever, except to get, there were cameras on it. Well, Where if you take away the cameras, he just as easily and just as comfortably could have said what he said knowing there wouldn't be any consequences. Number one. Number two, do you know how many times on this podcast when we have talked about certain subjects, in my mind, at that exact moment, I go, oh, I got a joke. A dark, fucked up joke. Whether it was rape, whether it may have been something about Jewish people. But I said to myself, nah, not this time. Don't say it. Because one, there's, there's, the, there's the thing to get you. And even if I were to preface it first by going, this is just a joke. I'm only joking, which takes the steam out of your joke right away. Right, it does. Which is why I don't want to, I would never want to say that. But two, I'm going, dude, if somebody either A, doesn't interpret it as a, as a joke, or even if they do interpret it as a joke, but it's just not funny to them and they're offended by it, they're going to make a mole out of a molehill. Or how, what is that saying? A mountain out of a molehill. Yeah, a mountain out of a molehill. They're just going to run with that. So even I, from time to time in my mind, before it comes out of my mouth, I go, that's too much. Okay. That's too hard. That being said, when he went back and heard the podcast, he did delete the podcast. Now, oh, But now, but after the fact that you've been put on blast? No, 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 no. He put it, he deleted it after he heard it. And before it was put on blast. No, no, he, what I'm saying is before this controversy, he didn't delete yeah, it. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He deleted it after he released the podcast. And he goes, you know, I don't like how that came across. I didn't like how it sounded. And he deleted the podcast. Right. But there was obviously episodes out there that, you know, once you put it out there, people have saved it. And so now they they can bring it back up. He talks about that in the apology. He deleted it well before any of this controversy came out. I don't agree with what he said uh, as far as trying to be funny. But again, and you said this before, uh, you can say anything. As long as it's funny, if you're a comedian, if you can say anything, it has to be funnier than what you're, what you, what the perception or what it could be. You got to be that much funnier when it gets into a racial tension situation. Right. It didn't make it, and I think he realized that. I'm not. This is not a pass. This is not anything. This is this is what it is, and that's what he said. I could understand that he was trying to set up the texture of this story, and he's in the podcast, and and every. But the interpretation, you might say it one way, thinking it one way, and it comes out, I'm I'm not even going to try to get into his head of what he thought. It missed. It missed. It was, it was, it missed. The one that- Just a bit outside. The one that makes me more, uh, that's more interesting to me is the second one that you with just- the, with, the, with the dude and he asked to half, the half guy to half black, half- White. Right. You got the best of both worlds. You got the black body and the white brain. You got the big black buck with the big black dice. And when you take the big black buck with the big black dice and you put them together, it's like he's got an extra uh, fever bone in his legs. Okay. So that one, 
you know, and, and you didn't play the clip all the way to the end, but then he goes, hey, I'm not trying to imply that. Uh, right, you're right. You're uh, right. Uh, but he said the thing about uh, you got a black man's body, but a white man's brain. The black brain is just different. Yeah, then that's what he said. Yeah, the black brain is just different. And and then when I first heard that, I went, oh my, you know, that's, that fucking sounds, no, there, it was bad when he said it. And when he came back right. to try to fix it, it sounded worse to me. And then I thought about it. And again, guys, this is what I do. I try to understand what it is. And I can't even give Joe this one because I don't know. I'm not in his head. I can't make this. I, I thought about it for a minute. I said, well, think about that for this. If you, if you could take racism out of it, out of your thought process, and you had a black body with a, with a, with a brain that didn't focus on racism, how nice would that be? How nice would it be for a black man to walk down the street and not have to be focused on the fact that he's black and, and racism in the United States? And I'll give you one better than that. And here's the beauty and the mastery of, of, comic, of comedy and comedians. And this is what I mean when I go, and then I'm going to allude to you a little bit. When I go, that didn't feel like an attempt at being funny. It didn't feel funny. One of my favorite jokes by Bill Burr is when he goes, I'm not saying that black people aren't as smart as white people or black people can't be smart. I'm just saying if, if, a, if a black scientist and a white scientist were to have a race to the microscopes, you guys would win. That feels funny. That feels good hearted. That feels in good nature. You know what I mean? Yeah. A black guy and a white guy can be a scientist and be equally as smart. But if there was a race of the microscopes, you guys would win. You service both things. That That's not what Joe felt like to me. And, and I agree. That one, even when he went back to try to make up for it. And the reason I said my interpretation of what it could be. And again, I can't get into Joe's head. If that's what it was, fine. But you still missed. Even if I take your best intention, which I could, I could do that. I can make it that. It still misses because he went back to try to fix it and he made it worse. Right. So, yeah. And I think he knows that that's why he came out. That's why he said the things that he said. Uh, would I do give him credit for? He didn't. He apologized for what he could apologize for, but said he can't change. It, he can't rewrite it. Wishes he could, but he couldn't. But then when he said in no way, and then you bring this up that a white, this is, this is, this is the overreaction of a white guy who said something wrong. He did something he said it wrong. He knows it's interpreted. He said even in that tw that bit where he says the N-word 20 times, and it's just edited out so that he's just saying it 20 times. And it's not in context. It doesn't have anything with it. It's not comedic at all. It's just him saying the word. That even he looked at it and he goes, ah, that's, I, you can't do that. And that's when he said the statement. White people just can't say it no matter what at any time. And then you, you're, to your point, movies, uh, what, what the right context is that a white person should be able to say it. So it just felt like, okay, I'm going to get to this point, and now I'm going to dive into a, into a bulletproof, bomb-proof shelter and just say, all white guys can't say it. I realize it now. I just shouted it out to all white guys. How's that? We good? I mean, I, I think it's easy then to, after you realize that it didn't sound right and stand on, stand on top of the hill and say, nope, wrong, and none of us should say it when he didn't put any context to it like you did about movies or any others or comedy. I mean, you, you said something interesting. Uh, Andy and I got up this morning and went to this awesome bakery around the corner from our hotel. And Andy, you said something because when I sent out the post, and this is what I love about idiots, comprehension. <laughs> well, co co comprehension, people. I say something 
And first, I I almost put a disclaimer on it by going, look, don't kill the messenger. I'm not saying Joe was right. I'm asking a question. Yeah. And I'm asking a question to create dialogue. But the moment some of my people, black people, feel or hear certain words or get a feeling in terms of this nigga's selling out, I get called a hypocrite. This nigga's taking up for Joe. I get called a hypocrite. No one is doing that. I'm trying to ask a question to provoke thought, to, to, to create a dialogue. And you said something that I love when you talked about black reaction. And, and, and guns blazing. Yeah, it, it's Scarface coming to a room. If you hear something that's triggered, it's it's a black reaction. And I and when I first said it to you, I remember saying, it's not culture, because I'm not going to, it's not the whole culture. It's not black culture. I'm not going to put that on it. But there's a specific black reaction, especially to race, where you put this out there. And the first thing the guy says is, he said, you said, oh, basically that you're basically capping for Rogan and you're not, there's no way in there. What you said, you didn't give Rogan a pass. You were actually called Rogan out a little bit on it, but right away he said, he goes back to some of the other things. He said, that's not what he was doing. Listen to the whole thing. Don't react to just a word. And I haven't figured out that, but that, that happens a lot. And I understand that racism is woven into this. And so when you hear something, it triggers, triggers you. But there's more to there's more to a conversation. There's more nuance to a conversation. You didn't say anything that was pro Joe on this. You asked the question, and, and, why, asked, and why would I? We don't like each other. Oh, that was that the winner. Uh, but yeah, and, but you, I think actually you're going the opposite way. Joe is saying he again he generalized and said you can't do it instead of being a little bit more thought provoking and saying I did it. I don't think it came out the way that I want. I. I was intending it. I realized that I shouldn't say it because I don't, my platform does however you want to say it, make it about you. But you just, the way you said it, he canceled movies, he canceled everything that you could possibly do. Um, and then I did read someone else said it about um, when they said, no, Leonardo gets a pass because it's written in the script. But then they said the writer of the script, um, Quentin Tarantino, Quint Quentin Tarantino. Now you have an issue with Quentin Tarantino, but do you think there's anything in Django? Do you, even though the word is used immensely in that, is there any part in that movie where you went, that's too many times for the movie, not for life, not for your, just not, for the movie, for that movie, not, and we could go talk about some of Quentin Tarantino's right, other movies, right. but we were talking about Django specifically when you said right. that. Could it be, could, was there too many N words in that movie? for what the movie was supposed to say and do. <laughs> that, that's, that might be uh, Quentin's slick opportunity to get in how he really feels under the, under the disguise of a movie. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I have no problem with Django. Now, if we go to Pulp Fiction and the part where they come over in his car and Samuel L. Jackson is trying, this is good gourmet right, shit. Right, right, And he goes, is there a sign that says dead N-word storage out dead there? Dead nigga storage, right. Yeah. And then he says it over and over. That felt contrived. That didn't feel like it. It had to be there. Yeah, it didn't have to be there. It didn't flow with making that movie. If he would have said it the one time and moved on. Or if you would have established that this dude was a racist. Maybe there was a swastika flag uh, in his garage or, you know what I mean? But he has a relationship with Samuel, right. so he can't really, uh, I mean, well, he no, could still be a racist. Yeah. But Samuel, you, it, 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 but there was no even point where, like, 
that that conversation would take. Sam, you know what ruined it for me? That Samuel L. Jackson character in that movie wouldn't put up with a white dude talking to him like that unless you establish some other kind of relationship. So to, to back to your point, you think it was contrived. It, it was. It felt contrived in right. that one. I felt there. There's moments. There, there's. Listen, uh, Artie Lang has a joke about playing basketball. Funny joke. Funny. And, and then when he does it in slow motion, he doubles down and does it in slow Which motion. Which makes it funnier. That's funny. When Louis C.K. does it about a dude making coffee, it feels contrived. It feels like he was trying to find a way to use the word. Right. Uh, when I go to Artie Lang's joke, not necessary for him to try. The word was used. It was an experience. And he was able to make that so fucking funny about a white perspective on that. Unbelievably funny. One of the greatest comedians of all time, George Carlin. So when he goes, you know why Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy can say the word nigger? Because they're niggers. Do you do what that would fly today, though? No, it wouldn't fly today. But what do you think of it? You know, and again, and now here, now we get even to more nuance. At the time it was said, at, at a comedy level, the, what, the point George Carlin was trying to make, I don't think you can make that point the same way today. At that moment in time, do I think that it was edgy and well, that was seventies anything goes era. That was the same era where where you had Richard Pryor and Chevy Chase on Saturday Night Live. Eddie Murphy couldn't go, yeah, and it'd be a real fag on the siren. Woo 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 woo. At that moment, that that was comedy, and he was not trying to demean or or, but the fact that he used the word to say to to point out at someone today. Right. That was that was used on Eddie Murphy and right. Richard Pryor. Right. That would be a whole different setup today. At the time, though, and as a comedian and a comedian who probably has, I, I, I'm not saying that he had a relationship with them, but as a comedian, I think you still would have some kind of relationship. You're going to see these people at some point. There's some conversations. I don't think that he meant it in that way. But now go to Joe's point. Joe Rogan, what Joe Rogan said. Did a white dude in that situation have any business using that word? Today, you would say, definitely not. That joke doesn't fly. Well, now, let me put the onus on you, though. And this is what I mean. Again, I know you you, you, you kind of feel like... I, I think we both are in agreement that this podcast, like any other podcast, unless you are a political podcast, you are an information-driven podcast, a news-driven podcast... I think most podcasts' job is to more so entertain than inform. If you can do both, great. That being said, we're two comics. We are here to make people laugh, and this is a performance. So whether it's and I know you're you're you know you're you're reserved for saying the n word. My stance podcast. on the podcast is different than yours. Okay, just from in terms of entertainment. Yeah. So we're not here to entertain. I, I think we're here. I think all, the news is entertainment. The news is entertainment, but it's also there to inform. But then, but go, go on, go on with your point, right. and we'll get to it. So, comedically, yes, you have the joke where you do the N word, uh, and you understand. I understand. I think most people understand why you can get away with it there. We beg to differ here, yeah, on you being able to use the N word. But that being said, I'm gonna say this: for people that listen to this podcast, you immediately, when you listen, not even long enough, I think you get it within an episode or two. And certainly the more you listen, you really understand. The way we are, our chemistry is very jovial, very immature, childlike, 
innocence slash fun. I think that when we do this, no one can listen to you or us and go, I sense that Andy is a malicious guy. I sense that Andy is this or that in a negative way. If you were to say it, and certainly it would be within the context of a, of a comedic moment, I don't think anybody truly can walk away going, hmm, Andy meant that shit. Or I wonder what he meant. Or that felt. No, you'd go, these are these two silly motherfuckers who do that. Again, Joe, I didn't get that sense okay. at all. Um, well, we didn't hear the whole context, so I'm not going to throw it out that Joe way. Joe delivers his regular conversation like he's an MMA fighter. Yeah. So he don't come off as a comic to me. But he is a comic. But he is. Okay. So, but that's what I'm saying. So that's why the, I, I sense more MMA, I'll whip your ass but versus ha ha. That's why the context for what he said was even more important because of the way he does deliver. But let me say a few things to you about this. One, I think a comedy stage is completely different from a podcast. I put a podcast out with you. We do this every week and we send it out and I don't know who's going to get it. I don't know who's going to get it. I don't know who's going to pick it up. I don't know who's going to listen to it. I don't know if they know me as a comedian. I don't know if they know me as a guy who digs ditches. I don't know what they know about me. What I do know is that when we send it out, I have no control over it. When you come to a comedy club, you paid to come see Ari Spears or on the few fortunate occasions I've actually headlined that you came to see me. But whatever that, that being, I'm in control of that room. This is my room. You're going to take this out of here from the way that I said it. And I have complete control on that. That room is mine. Uh, to do what I need to do on this stage. I think the context is completely different. I think the people who are ingesting what you're saying is completely different. I, I think the moment is set up to be a comedy room. And I even explained this is a comedy room. I saved on the stage almost in the beginning. It's a comedy room. You got to get out of your heads. You got to stop thinking about it like you think about it on the streets. You're listening to a podcast on the streets. I can't give that. I don't have that same control or that same uh, where I feel like I'm I'm controlling my narrative like I do on a comedy stage. So I'm very careful about this podcast. And to this point, I can't say those 20 times that Joe used the N-word that he wasn't using it in a proper context with no malice and no nothing. But you can't control that once it's out there. And the other part of it is I could be funny. I could be the funniest person in the world. I could say it. There was a moment on the podcast a few weeks ago, and I even we even titled it Andy Almost Said It. I think if I would have said it at that moment, would you come? Because I wasn't saying it. There was no, there was, that word was an adjective at the time. It was describing N-word junk. junk. Yeah, yeah, that word, that, the way that that was right. said and the way that it hit us both at the same time, right. the idea of it was so funny. <laughs> there was no anything in it. It had no racial overtones. It had no, right. I mean, obviously it had racial overtones, but it didn't really, ha at that moment in comedy, it had no racial overtones. It didn't have anything other than what it was. And it was so funny that if I would have said it, I think a lot of people might not even have noticed that I said it because it was so in, con it, it was so in flow with the conversation that we're having. But to that point, I never want to do anything that when I leave the podcast out there, and, and I will explain this, that I give someone a, a cerebral uh, um, idea that they are allowed to use this word at any time because they're being funny. A white dude, a white woman, white community. I don't want to ever give anybody that feeling where they, they think they might have a pass because it's funny. Oh, that white dude said it. It's funny. On stage, I'll, I'll take my heat on stage, but on the podcast, I will not do it because of, for certain for a number of reasons. But the number one one is I never want to give anybody a pass. And in my joke, and I, I, I'm not doing this joke right now because these times are different right now. And I don't want anybody to go home and have to decide whether I was funny because of this one moment. And here's here's the thing. 
I wrote that joke so well that it addresses the fact that a white dude just said this on stage. It addresses it 100 percent and 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 tells you not to go out and use this word. It addresses it 100 percent. Whether you like it or not, after that, it doesn't make a difference. I've already you did it. It addresses it. And I really love this joke because I, I took care to put it out there in the way that I want to. And that's what I'm saying on a podcast when I'm free form and we're thinking we're having fun. I can't control it the same way that I can on the comedy stage. And I've went out of my way to make sure that I made sure that it worked. And the reason I did it is because when I did that joke initially, without that context, without me saying the part about white dude saying it, I'd have people come up to me after the show and they would use the word to me, white people to me, while I was talking to other people. And a lot of the times I was talking to black people and they would come up and use the word like, hey, isn't it funny? I used it too. No, it wasn't. And I purposely wrote that next part to make sure that I took care There's, of those people. So before that, they would come up and say that to you while you were talking to black people? Yeah. And I was like, I realized, well, that's my, ballsy. I realized my responsibility if I was going to continue to do that joke to make sure that they never came up to me and felt comfortable enough to do that. And what did those black people do? Then they would look at me like, this is why it's a problem. No, they should have. They should have looked at the white person that said it and says, with great power comes great knockouts. <laughs> <laughs> and knock their ass the fuck out. But again, like our, our Artie's to Artie Lang's joke, it was from an experience that he's relaying from his position and what happened. Right. Again, mine is from my experience and what happened. You can't deny my experience, but that doesn't mean that I have to. How I share them is so important. And making sure that the, 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 the funny part and, and you know who explains this best is Chappelle. When Chappelle talks about, I was saying these jokes and I felt that they were laughing at the wrong part. Right. And I wanted to make sure that no one was laughing at the wrong part. You know, it, it all, and, 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 you know, it's funny, uh, that clip that I played from DL Hewley, I had, I had originally reposted that, but then no sooner than I reposted it, I took it down. And I and a couple of people are like, yo, why you take it down? And I, let's be clear, Aries ain't scared of shit. So I didn't take it down because I went, oh. I just in my own mind went, you know, again, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to use this podcast or my platforms, yes, as as entertainment, but also as business. You know, it's it's where I get paid or where I can give out information for people to pay me to have their music played on the podcast. It's where I can, people can pay me to promote shit, their clothing line, whatever their business is. It's an outlet for me to tell people what I'm doing. So it's not in the best interest of the brand to have my shit get pulled or suspended because I'm going back and forth with motherfuckers. And again, as I just said, like about the dude at the improv in Denver, it's very hard for me to bite my tongue. And I was like, dude, I just didn't want to be Tony Montana fighting 100 Cubans sent by Sosa's men. I didn't want the balcony scene. And I know that Joe's minions and all his supporters, are you ready for a war? They're coming over the hill like Braveheart to fight Longshanks, you know, the, 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 the English king. And, and, and here we go with the battlefield battles. And I didn't want the battlefield brawls. And I didn't want to have to go back and forth with Joe's ignorant, dumbass supporters who are going to go, man, you a sheep. And I got some of that. You a sheep, man. You, you, how you, you call you sensitive ass. How you going to sit there and try to cancel Joe? Again, most of you motherfuckers don't understand comprehension. 
Two, half of y'all can't even fucking read. If you read and you can understand comprehension, you know that's not what I was doing. And, and, and it's funny because how some people, this is the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. One dude hit me and went, yo, how was that any different from Murphy, Pryor, Chappelle, or Chris Rock making jokes about white people? So it's okay for them to make jokes about white people, but white people can't make jokes about black people? When the fuck did I ever said they couldn't? I just said Bill Burr, the microscope joke, fucking hilarious. Andrew Schultz, fucking hilarious. You can make jokes about black people, but there's a big difference between using the N-word and having it come off in terms of malice and, and, and not funny and from an evil place versus the other way. And Pryor, Murphy, Chappelle, me, Eddie Griffin, yes, we make jokes about white people because, again, that is the world we live in. That is our existence. Racism is something we deal with on an everyday level. When do y'all deal with it like that? Well, y'all, are y'all talking about y'all's pain in terms of racism? We're talking about our pain. We're talking about our plight. We're talking about what you can see on the news almost every day. So racially, what, what about y'all's plight are y'all talking about? What about y'all's struggle are you making fun of? What about y'all's murder rate in terms of cops killing you are you making fun of? Make that make sense. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to make sense of it and they're just missing the point of it. But aside from that, there's something else that you brought up that I wanted, I wanted to, uh, to grab here too. Uh, you said Joe didn't take that down. And I said, no, he did take it down mm. because he saw it and he didn't agree with how it came across. <laughs> Listen, I, I think two things have to happen. Uh, and we have to be able to have a conversation. We have to be able to continue to talk and we'll figure out what's right and what's wrong. And we'll, we'll get through it. I hope so. But here, here's my problem with that. Taking it down. So you take it down and then because it's in the it's in this uh, universe wherever it is wherever it goes into the the stratospheres of uh, wherever podcasts lie that have been uh, removed from uh, someone's platform but still are out there, and then it comes back up. I you know I just don't think if we do something, no matter who you are, if you do something and you and you didn't have ill intent and you listen to it and you go you know what that doesn't come across right. And this is my my own point, and I could be completely wrong about this, but I think you don't take it down. I think maybe at most you would put up a, a, a disclaimer that says, hey, man, I made this with this intent. I listened to it. I don't feel it matches what I was going for, but I'm not going to take it down because if I do, now it feels like I'm hiding something or trying to get away with something or trying to, here it is. This is what it was meant. Sorry if you don't like it. I, I just don't think that we can keep trying to hide from uh, if we're going to just release content the way we are you can't hide from it own it and say what you feel and like i listened to it i didn't even agree with it either i could take it down but i feel like i'm hiding from something i'm going to leave it here i i just i i let you know before you in in advance I, and maybe that won't work because people will still throw it at you but jesus they're throwing it at you anyway so if you really are behind what you were trying to do being a comic if you're really trying to put something out there and you were trying to be a little, I don't know what word that I want to use, but you were trying to be provocative. You were trying to make a conversation. You were trying to use certain uh, words just so you could create some texture to your story. And you heard it and you go, man, that, that sounds off. 
I, I don't think that you can hide from it. I think you got to leave it up there and then you got to own it and say, I listened to it before any of you all tell me that you didn't, that this might've felt, I felt it too. So, but I can't take it down now because it's out there. I don't know what we can do to, to help prevent some of this stuff from happening. Um, and I know right now I heard people don't say shit that's fucked up then. Dude, you, whoever said that in your head right now, as I'm saying it, you've said shit that's fucked up too. You've thrown stuff out there. You just don't have a platform where thousands to millions of people are listening to it every day. And if you want fun platform where it's coming off the top of someone's head, where they're enjoying themselves and they're talking and we're all having a conversation and you feel like you're in that conversation. Uh, we're going to, some people, we're going to say something that's not right. We're going to be off because we're just having a conversation and we didn't hear how it sounds to thousands of people. We heard how it was, we heard it in our head and that always doesn't go out the same way. So I, I don't know. There's more to this. Like, uh, and I don't want to throw Whoopi in this because she's already going through her problems. I didn't think she should be, uh, I didn't think she should be suspended for two weeks, but she was just giving her honest opinion. Did I agree with that opinion? No. Do I think there's more to it? Yes. It's a bigger conversation that I would like to have because, uh, there's more to this because of how we see each other. But how, how do you, how are we not allowed to, to say something and, and still be controversial, but still work our way through shit? I don't know. I think there's more to you, it. You know, some black people's responses were in terms of consistency. Why are we still shocked about this? Joe's a white boy. I don't know if he's from Boston. I, I think he's... I don't know where he... I, but, but yeah, I think he might be from Boston, but he's a, he's a white dude from Boston. Why is this a shock? And da 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 And often, I, you know, listen, of course not all, but... And I'm going to take a little bit from Paul Mooney here, but I'm also going to say this, which is not Paul Mooney. Or maybe. I think not all white people, but most white people are inherently racist. They're inherently racist. And like Paul Mooney said, you know, white folks don't like be being told that they can't say the word nigga. They don't like being told what to do and, and, and what they can and can't say. And this, again, comes from a history of superiority. This is my country, white man's land. Nigga, you niggas get in the back. Slavery, civil rights, Jim Crow. Of course, all of it wrong. But this is ingrained in the fabric. It's ingrained in the psyche. We are the bosses. We are number one. Shut up, nigga. It's it's a it's it's a thought. It's a behavior. It's 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 a fucking pass down the generation to generation. It's you know what I mean. Yeah, but as much as you're saying, and I agree with it one hundred percent. Even when you know better, and you said it's passed down for generation to generation. If your grandma, great grandma, who made you them unbelievable chocolate chip cookies, and you loved her, she was a great woman. But she was racist because she was raised in a racist time. And for her, using the N-word was just as easy as saying hello. That can't, she, she wasn't, she makes cookies. She took care of me. She's not a racist, right. she's a good person. My, my racist grandfather used to take me to the baseball games when I was a kid. He, and, and, and he loved all the black players that were playing baseball. He loved all them niggas that played. <laughs> We don't see how, and that's why when you ask me, what do I think, uh, and I, uh, what percentage of, of America, white America is racist? And I said 70. 
And I think that I, that's too low of a number because I think that we don't realize how racism, as you just said, is passed down generationally. And maybe not not, not with the same in, intensity in some places. I'm going to say, yes, that's true. In, in some places, the same exact intensity. But in most places, racism isn't something that you that you know, that you see. You can smell it a little bit, but you're not paying attention to the racism that's being handed down to you. I, I think it's very it's very apparent because you said it's in the fabric, and I don't think that you realize I, it. I, I wonder if it is to be broken, the cycle, the chain for white folks. When does that start? And and I'm and I ask that because of this. Because listen, originally, here's what was on the menu today. Uh, we were going to talk about. Uh, let me pull up the menu. A little bit of Ozark, Iris, that documentary, Rita Moreno, that documentary. And this was before the Joe Rogan thing. So originally on the menu, here's what were the specials. Ozark, Iris, the, ta- the, the, the ending of Women of the Movement, Rita Moreno, and talking about Denver. And that was really it. Yeah. And we would have covered that, I think. Still, I think that would have been over an hour. But the Joe Rogan thing, we got some fresh fish uh, from the market. <laughs> we barely get this kind of fish. Or it's, it's seasonal. So this all of a sudden came on the menu. And now between Denver and this, we're at an hour. We still have Women of the Movement, Rita Moreno, Iris. So there's more to the stew. So if you want, we could call this part one and then do uh, yeah. racial gumbo part two. Because I want to end on this note, which really takes me into the women of the movement. But you know why it's good to do this in two parts? Yeah. Because your gumbo should take like two days to make. <sighs> See? <laughs> there you go. You sure you ain't half uh, shrimp boiled New Orleans thing yeah, in New Orleans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just put it out there, all those flavors don't get absorbed into everything. Okay, it takes I like a couple that. days to make like the gumbo that. right. But I will. I, here's my question that I want to ask. And then, you know, obviously we have to leave it on this note. When I talk about when does the cycle, when does the chain get broken? On Women of the Movement, you know, they show the real pictures at the end of the guys that murdered Emmett. Uh, and, and they show them with their wives and black and white photo. And then I've seen the most current picture of the woman, Caroline Bryant, that lied on Emmett. It's an old ass woman. I wonder, do her grandkids know? about this does her grandkids would her grandkids ever watch or have they watched women of the movement and when you say grandma made those cookies damn our grandmother was responsible for that yeah our grandmother that made us cookies and we opened christmas gifts with and hugged us when we scraped our knees told a lie that had that boy's face look like that do they carry on with the tradition of being racist, or are they the are they the ones that break the cycle? Do they go, yeah, we love our grandma, but damn, grandma, you was wrong. Damn, grandma, you lied and got a boy murdered. We, we, you know, we grew up with black friends. We can't act like that. We can't think like that. If if I say this, I, I know that it's going to be. I'm sure it's going to be taken the wrong way, but part of it is. To me, you have to be willing to have these uncomfortable conversations. You have to. Be, but uh, with whom? But uh, let me just finish. Let me let me oh. get through this. If you can't have the uncomfortable conversations, 
the the damn grandma, damn grandma, this you you did this, damn grandma, this is this. Those people aren't saying damn grandma going out and going, hey man, this let's make light, let's make this world a better place. They're busy hiding from this. And when you hide from something and you let that sit in you, it festers and it becomes just as much of a problem. This is why this time scares me so much is because we are running from this. This Joe Rogan thing that we just did right now, this hour that we basically put into Joe Rogan, how much of it was about Joe Rogan? How much is it about us as people? We're using him to set up the example, but we have to be able to have the conversation so that we can get to the next step. Joe Rogan was just a catalyst for the conversation. Joe Rogan wasn't this conversation. He was a whole cat- lot of catalysts whole- have been had for this conversation. Yeah, and we but, and we have it. And you know what? I used to think of a podcast when people would say, "Yeah, hey, we're the raw ones." We're- no, I'm starting to really like even more so appreciate our podcast because I don't think that we do hold back. We're, we're trying to have the conversation. I'll take heat for whatever it is that I have to take heat for for this conversation because it's more important for me that if nothing else that we're willing to talk about. But when it. you say we have to have the conversation, and I interrupted you, are you saying? in terms of her grandkids, are they having the conversation with her or you mean in general with people? I think in general with people, because I think that those those kids, they're probably hiding from it because it's such a mark. And if you come out and say, Hey, my grandma's the one who got Emmett Till killed. You wouldn't say it that way. But if you say that my grandma, that's my history, that's my legacy back there. Right. You're immediately cast in the way we are right now and the way we want to take care of people for someone who said something 20 <clears throat> years ago. And now we're going to we're going to affect them today. I think people are hiding. And if you hide it, if you put it away, it's going to get worse. It, it This is how this is how I think we do it. I think every time we have great strides to make some changes, we don't get to the finish line and we're not getting there because then we pull back because we're afraid. We can't have the conversation. We're worried about what it's going to do. We have to be open to having a real conversation all the time until we get to a place where we don't have to have this conversation. And that could be 50 years from now, could be 100 years from now, but we got to keep having, we have to speak open and honestly about who we are and what we've done to get here. And like you said, it's in the fabric, but that doesn't mean we can't change the weave, man. We got to keep going until it's, until it's in the right place. But we are so afraid uh, to have that mark put on us from our past. And, and really, that's what it goes to when people don't want to have conversations about black history, about how enslaved people uh, ended up here, what they did about uh, chattel, uh, chattel slavery, about how we we bred uh, more, how, what we did to cause this problem. White people want to hide from it. And the... They don't want to have an open dialogue and it gets heated. It gets uncomfortable. And I think they are sitting in a room going, if we don't talk about it. Eventually this fades out, right? It doesn't fade out. It just continues. Right. But how do we have a conversation and have an open dialogue and try to make change without trying to make people responsible for the past when we're trying to improve the future? Right. I don't know. I, I really don't know. But this is where I, I'm willing to sit here every week and take my beating for whatever it is that uh, people related to me, no matter how close or how far, have caused. Right. Okay. Um, there it is. Racial stew part one. Part one. Now we we just threw the ingredients in. Now it's cooking. We're going to get the flavor. cooking. 
We go. We got a few more ingredients to throw in. Do a little bit of stirring. Uh, have the fat black chef go out in the back, smoke a couple of cigarettes, uh, and then uh, get back to the pot. That roux is just getting, just starting to thicken. <laughs> just starting to thicken. Uh, you want to tell the people where we're going to be? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, this week, I know that uh, Aries and I are... We're, we're, we're having issues. We, we're separated again. Uh, I will be at Helium Indie uh, Wednesday recording my album, and then the rest of the week I'm at Helium Indie uh, featuring, um, and then Aries will be. And I'm sad to miss out on this too, uh, but he's going to be at the Houston Improv the 10th, <sighs> the 10th through the 12th with Neary Sands. They're going to be putting it in. I, I wish I could be out there. Neary's, I, I saw his pictures. He's looking good, dude. He's lost a lot of weight. Yeah. He's looking yeah. really good. So Neary's is going to be there, and uh, that's going to be uh, next week. Helium. Uh, no, so I'll be at Helium Indy on the 9th doing my album, and then the rest of the week there. And then Aries will be in, uh, like I said, in Houston the 10th through the, uh, the 12th. Going to be good shows. Uh, I'm going to miss you, Houston. Uh, but then the week that makes me very excited to announce, Improv DC, the 17th Ooh. through the 20th. One of the best clubs in the country, man. Washington, D.C., baby. Uh, so excited to get back there. And then for all the people that were going to come out to Louisville, Kentucky to see us, we apologize. The date had to get moved. It had no, we had nothing to do with it. Uh, That's where uh, Ali's from, right? And is it is it from Louisville? I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think the date shook its way to uh, a new date, right? Yeah, yeah they just, just <laughs> slid out. Uh, that's so me. You know, it's hard for me to have fun with that just because. And you know this because I told you this, and I brought you over to that restaurant that I would eat at in, right. in Phoenix, Lolo's Chicken and Waffles, the yes. original location downtown. And they had a room where Ali used to just go sit in because it was more private and people didn't have to bug him and he could watch the people cook food. Right. And uh, it was cool running into Ali. Uh, even at that time in his life, it was cool uh, just getting to see him. And he was, no matter what situation he was in, he was still a light, man. He was still bright. He He just... Shaking, having the hard time, but would smile and try to say whatever he could say. And it was, it was still cool, man. He was Love there. Love the champ. Love the champ. He was still there. Even at the end, he was still there. Okay. But that being said, uh, we, we moved that date. Uh, I'll give it to you later, but we moved back a couple months. And we're going to be uh, in Virginia Beach instead uh, at the Funny Bone, which I, is a club that I actually really enjoy. Uh, it's uh, it's an interesting club. But we'll be there the 25th through the 26th, two shows each night. And then I'll give you one more date because, like I said, uh, last week, excited to do this. It's a uh, it's Cap City in Austin, and we're going to be there the third uh, through the sixth. And I'm coming out a day early. If anybody hears this, I'll be out there Wednesday because uh, I just wanted to see uh, I want to see Austin, see what's going on out there. So if anybody wants to uh, take me around, or anybody has some shows that they wouldn't mind me doing guest sets on or anything, I'll be out there that Wednesday prior to the show. But uh, that's it for right now. All right, uh, coming up right now. Uh, this is 13-year-old rapper, WLAB, Young Ricks from West L.A. Uh, Instagram, WLAB underscore Y-O-U-N-G-R-I-C-K-S underscore 10. Uh, the song I'm going to play is called Breadwalk. Um, this is Young Ricks. Uh, look him up. Uh, if you like him, let him know. Um, He's thirteen. Yeah. What do you think when some people use "young" in the in their their name when they're or Lil? Out? Yeah, especially young because I think of Young MC all the time. Young MC is yeah, not it's, young. It's it's right. It's great when you're young, but when you graduate, 
technically. Can't she? Yeah. Can't she just change it? Can yeah. it be like old ass MC? That don't have the same <laughs> connotations, you know. Very mature MC. Yeah, yeah nah, <laughs> nah. Anytime at the point where you got to read with glasses, it's time to get out the rap game. <laughs> On my last leg, MC. On my last leg, MC. Oh, that's that's okay. <laughs> <sighs> He's here all day, folks. Um. All right. So, uh, what I say his name was. Young Young um, Ricks from West L.A., 13-year-old rapper, WLAB. Song is called Breadwalk. Uh, any new listeners to the podcast you want to email, email at Spears 45 at Hotmail. <laughs> oh, do you smell what the racist stew is cooking? You know why it's bad? Because it's, it's, the idea is The Rock. The execution is Michael Buffer. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Young Rick, y'all. Oh, y'all thought I was done? <laughs> nah, I'm just back with another one. All right. Okay. Hey, 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 hey. Let's go. First you get 50, honey, then you run it. Then make a grip, hold it, then you punt it. Hit it with flip it, get it, then gun it, then bread walk in the spot while you run it up. Bread walk, bread walk, bread walk, ayy. Bread walk, bread walk, bread walk, ayy. Ooh, I think she like me. Dang, she spicy. Switch the flow up nicely. Bread walk lightly. Bought the checks like Nikes. Dang, they icy. Then got her a white tee. And a sprite, please. First, you get a couple businesses. Hit a whip, flip it, get it, then grab a check. Wait a minute, I'm not finished with my pitch. Get your money up, then go get a whip. Quick bread, walk in it, then go get your seats fixed. Nobody listens to rigs. I'm just a kid. I'm not getting rich. But when I started bread walking, people start talking. Hit it, started flocking. Girls start walking. Rappers start barking. What's the lace that it popped? And Charles, yeah, I topped him. When I'ma start dropping. Hey, hey. First, you get 1500, then you run it. Then make a grip, hold it, then you punt it. Hit it, whip, flip it, get it, then gun it, then bread walk in the spot while you run it. A bread walk. Bread walk, bread walk, hey, bread walk, bread walk, bread walk, hey, hey, first you get Thanks for listening to the Spears and Steinberg podcast. If you'd like to know who's responsible for this shit, well, it was hosted by Ari Spears and Andy Steinberg, produced by Steve Merrick and Anthony Holmes, executive producer, Big Papa, Robert Kelly, and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcast. For more information on where to find us on the internet, visit www.spearsbergpod.com. The test goes, you say it with conviction. It don't mean shit to me. Don't you think you're being kind of hard on the guy? You go fuck yourself, convict!